Hey everyone, welcome to the Higher Points. Nick Sowers here in the studio with my buddy Nate Hyatt, as well as our guest today, uh, Mike Cressy, the guy that I uh, go to church with. Um, just has a really phenomenal life story that we just wanted to share with everyone and and uh, have him on the podcast. And when I asked him, you know, he kind of had a little bit of an apprehensive look, but also that like, yeah, like I totally want to do this kind of thing. And so he's here, and uh, we got him, uh, we got him scheduled. And thanks for being here. Thanks. Yeah. But, uh, so I guess we normally just kind of start from the beginning. Like, where were you born, brother, sister, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> well, I was, um, I was born, uh, I'm not from Kansas. So, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tell by your accent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember I ran into a guy once at, at an AA meeting years ago and, uh, he was from Kansas. And like, I had no conception of where it was on a map. Like, I couldn't think about. It. Like, you know, I thought maybe it was near the Mississippi River or something like that. <laughs> like, I had no idea. I had to go look at look at a map. You know? But um, I, I was born in uh, New York State, um, actually Long Island. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Long Island, but... I've been once. So, really? Yeah, I don't, I don't really have... Oh. Uh, I don't really have much of a concept of where everything is after yeah. only, after only being there one time. Yeah, it's it's an island. A lot of people that are not from there, they think it's a peninsula because the maps, you know, part of Long Island is part of New York City as well. So um, on the borough maps, for instance, it'll it'll include New York City, but uh, but it's an island. It's surrounded by water. <laughs> but I grew up in a small a small town called Islip, which is right off of the right off of the great south bay about a mile and a half from the from the water and um uh yeah i was born in lakeside hospital which is no longer there it burnt down in 1975 <laughs> um and uh i got one brother uh a younger brother and uh who was a police officer for 20 years he's now retired he's 51 and uh, he's Married with two kids, you know, uh, one started college and the other one is uh, is uh, just getting into high school or I think he's in the ninth grade now. Was he a police officer in New York? Yeah, he was a New York City cop. Uh, he was a borough cop, uh, um, not a borough cop. He was a, uh, what do you call it, a, a housing officer. So they got different, different like they have traffic, uh, 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 transit, housing, you know, mm -hmm. irregular foot, foot foot guy you know <laughs> but uh but yeah they uh, usually call those beat cops yeah beat cops yeah. yeah but but he got to choose so he chose housing so he was i think psa7 in the bronx which is kind of near fort apache over there you know and it used to be a bad area now there's really no bad areas <laughs> yeah well, did, uh, since so what, what does like a housing officer like that do like what well what uh uh they 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 mainly police the housing the, the housing the housing authority with within their district so um i i had actually never been to his like i never visited you know uh, uh the precinct or anything but um but they just drive around in the van and they you know they just do regular calls domestic problems and you know all sorts of stuff so yeah i i I heard a lot of stories. <laughs> so, so you so, went you went through all of like grade school, high school, everything. Yeah, in New York. I, and that's the thing is, uh, I was adopted, so uh, I was born in Lakeside Hospital, and then about about eight months old or so, I was taken out of the home, 
uh, by social services and uh, I was placed in a couple of foster homes. And then from there, uh, Mike and Jean, who are my parents, um, they uh, they took me in and then they, they decided to adopt, which was unique at the time. I thought it was like looking back on it, it was unique because they were my age. You know, like who adopts kids when you're, you know, I think my mother was four years older than him. She was born 1916 and uh, he was born 1920. So he was 48 and my mother was 52. <laughs> wow. And, and they decided they, they want to adopt kids. And I think it was because my mom had other siblings, two other siblings who were a lot younger, 20 years younger, uh, Francis and John, uh, who had kids like born this, my age, you know. So she just always wanted to have kids and I think she couldn't have kids. And then she adopted me. And then in the process of doing that, uh, they adopted my brother, Carmine. So um, <clears throat> I don't know if I should use names or not, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but my brother, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he cares. But uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and Carmine was adopted right out of the hospital. I, I was kind of flopped around for a while. My adoption didn't go through until 1970 and Carmine was adopted like right. Right out of the hospital. So Do you have range. any recollection of any of the foster stuff? Or a little it... bit, yeah. Okay. I, I remember being. I remember sitting in front of the radio and the red rug, and then I remember being on one of those screened-in porches, <clears throat> you know. But I think that's what they used to do. Is uh, I know when I was adopted, when my mother first got me, uh, I guess uh, I don't know if you would call it abuse, but neglect. Like I had severe diaper rash. I had a lot of problems. You know, you it was all listed in the paperwork that I was able to scrounge up that my parents kept. Oh, so you've actually seen Read all that. about it, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, like I was kept in my plastic pants for too long and all that kind of stuff and, you know, and so uh, malnutrition and they had a – but of course, you know, I ended up being a big baby. Like I was huge, you know. <laughs> you see the pictures. I, it looks like I should have been your height, you know. <laughs> but I kind of – by the time I was 14, I just stopped growing. <laughs> yeah. I got to like the biggest kid in school – five foot ten and a half almost five eleven and then I, w- I towered over everybody like in the eighth grade and and then all of a sudden i just stopped and then everybody caught up to me and then shot past me <laughs> like my little brother he's twice you know he was my size when i was 17 when he was 13 you know yeah 14 so so what but, happened so after after school like did you did you like go to college did you Oh yeah well well that that was a good thing is I got to grow up um all through like I went through elementary school junior high high school uh all with the same friends I had this group of friends that I had from uh, from elementary school and we were always friends you know we're like we just always knew each other which was really cool we didn't move around a lot even though um, I was from a, a military family, my dad was a uh, was in the Air Force, but he was in the Air National Guard, so he he had a, a permanent station in Roslyn Air Force Base on Long Island. So we didn't move around, and um, so I really enjoyed like growing up. But from high school, I just uh, I actually moved into New York City. At that time, I had another friend of mine who was uh, working for the Met, the Metropolitan. Um, uh, where they put the operas on and stuff, and he was doing stage construction, you know, and uh, and they were hiring people over at this restaurant called Federico's. So I got a job at Federico's, um, um, bussing tables and stuff like that, 
and then I ended up becoming a service bartender and I went to one of their other restaurants that they opened up. So I was doing that and then trying to be an actor between pretty much between 86 and and 89. So is that why you don't have any problem being up on stage in church and singing? Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind. I, I don't, uh, mm. I don't know. I never had stage fright. I've never been afraid of uh, standing in front of people. Uh, I do get nervous though, especially when I was acting, you know, like I, you know, memorizing lines. Yeah. And especially, uh, I, I never had a large enough role that I had to really worry about. <laughs> I never had a lead role. I always had like, you know, su- supporting roles. So I was always able to, to uh get get away with uh with with that you know but uh but i took that to college and uh but yeah no i i uh yeah there was also drugs involved too you know back in the 80s um that's one of the reasons uh i actually did not finish high school at that time and uh, left high school um and i did, i ended up finishing in 88 i can't remember 89 like i think my diploma says 89 you know from brentwood high school i went to night school i had to make up two credits because they screwed me you know <laughs> they they used to have to have 18 credits and then they went up to 21 and that was it you know i'm like i can't make 21 this is my last and and then i got into a big fight with the with the vice principal i said can i go to Suffolk community college and and take crack cost courses there and then have them, and he didn't want me to do that. And he said, "You should come back for another year." And I said, "No." So, <laughs> so we parted. But I ended up going to Brentwood because they only needed eighteen credits, and it was just two credits to make up, you know, two math classes. So I did that, and then I went into the Navy. But I went into the Navy to stop smoking crack. But <laughs> that's, right. yeah. that's why I went into the Navy. I was, uh, you know, back then it was, uh, it was all over the place, and. Uh, and I was kind of reckless, and I don't know where I got that from, but um, I really don't because I I grew up in a in a solid in a solid household, you know, like like my dad was a solid dude, and uh, and my and my mother was uh, uh, I was almost like protected until I was about thirteen or so, and then I just felt like you know, I don't know, I just wanted to get out and experience things, you know, so I just. Did your group of friends have a impact on that? Like when you were in high school, I know you said you had the same yeah. group of friends. Would, would you do that? Say, would you smoke crack with them? I guess no, or no, no, it? no, no. This was completely different. Okay. Um, this was. Uh, it was uh, like I, I really like I haven't really thought about how how that led to because the group of friends that I had, like I think it was three or four of them, and they were all in the top ten of the class. You know, like. Mm-hmm. You know, number six, she graduated number two, you know, like, you know, just really smart kids, all in completely different classes than me. I was special needs from from elementary school, you know, and then I finally got myself out of special needs because I just really stared out the window. I didn't want to do anything. And then by the time I got to seventh grade, I realized wow, you know, I, I, you know, I need to apply myself. So I, I, that was about the same time that I had that realization yeah. of like, I'm having trouble spelling words that other people are not. And it was kind of a little bit of a wake up call, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a wake up call. Just like, uh, uh, walking around it, like in junior high school, you got, you have a locker, you got a, a schedule, you have to go to classes. Keep it track was completely of it all. different. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to these little classes where these kids can't even hold, hold a pen properly. I'm like, I don't belong here, you know. <laughs> and it took me about a year to get out of that. But uh, 
but they just they would just label you and then stick you in a room. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and they cared, but they didn't know what to do. You yeah. Know? How many so, people would you have had in your school? Well, we had a small school. I went to Islip High School. It was maybe I remember my graduating classes. Uh, would would have been like sixty three kids. Or something. Oh, okay. wow. that's yeah. like Nickerson. That's yeah. So that's I had like fifty seven, <clears throat> yeah. something like that. Yeah, I figured he was going to say, "Oh, it was a small school." Like I don't know, three or four hundred in my class. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Now that that whole place blew up. I mean, now like I I looked it up. Islip High School has nine hundred kids. Nine hundred, like all like Moffat Boulevard. Comac Road, all of those places where you know we used to play in the woods—they're all homes now, <laughs> oh, yeah. and condominiums and, and developed. And I went out there just uh, the last time I was out there was in 2014, and I went to uh, the the uh, I wanted to go to the cemetery and ended up I couldn't get to the cemetery because it was just I was in traffic the oh. whole day. I was just in traffic, so I really only had time to like go to the town where I grew up, you know. And I went down to the beach, hung out there. Went to the Starbucks, which used to be a, a BJ Electronics. We brought we bought our first VBCR <laughs> there, and I went in and said, "Oh, this is a Starbucks." You know, <laughs> I was like, "We've been here ten years." I'm like, "Oh, all right." <laughs> no, no, I haven't been here in a long time. You know. So if, but, if uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Uh, if so, if we could go back a little bit to your adoption. Um, yeah. There's one of the things I was curious about. So we we're going through some of this same things with Eli. So that piques my interest. Of did did you ever? Like when when did you I guess the first question would be did you ever feel like there was like a little bit of a gap in your life maybe like where you started to want to know like who are my parents where where did I come from that kind of stuff and then and then also like uh like did you did you like how did you fill that gap or want to want to know more yeah, about it I didn't well I filled that gap in 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 uh in wrong ways you know <laughs> but but that gap was a really um there's a thing that I would um, that I would tell. Uh, I, th- I told somebody about this who who um, who had like kids of her own, but then she was always uh, uh, was a foster parent for a long time. And then, um, and I said, you know, these kids are never really going to think of you as. Uh, it was like when my dad told me he had to tell us. I was about six years old in the first grade. And uh, I think we were old enough to to know, but of course he said, you know, I I I could not not tell you because these were two little Italian people, you know, like my dad was five foot five, you know, my mother was five foot five. By the time I was eight, you know, <laughs> I was taller than him, you know. <laughs> so like we didn't look nothing alike. He's they're old enough to be my grandparents, you know. So uh, so they told us early on, but I felt this kind of disconnect, you know. And and even with my aunt, uh, once said, you know, um, we took you in or something like that, and we and we love you. And you're saying that you love me, but you're also somebody abandoned me. Like somebody let me go, and now I'm being, you know what I mean? And 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 when I used to think like that, it was just uh, you kind of. That's when I was when I'm writing I'm writing this book, you know, and uh, and in it. I, I talk about um, that identity. You kind of like you. I lost my identity. Like I really didn't belong to them. Like I belonged to these other people that they were saying these kind of bad things about. You know, they were saying, "Oh well, you know, your mother had a, a drug problem and she ran with the motorcycle gang, and and your dad was a drifter and all this kind of stuff." And 
and uh, and it's better that you're here, you know. <laughs> and my dad always said, you and, know, and they're trying the, to do that in like comforting and in, reassuring in ways. a comforting reassuring yeah. way, but you're act, but it's actually making the problem making worse. the problem worse. I'm like, man, yeah, you know. And now I'm just dwelling on that, you know. And 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 uh, and I used to sit in the in the kitchen a couple of years later, and I would look out the window to see if I saw anybody sitting outside in the car or something, because they only lived, you know, a, a few. A few towns over, you know. This is, you know, I was only born a few towns over, and uh, so, and back then, see, I, and and I don't really know if it's if it's good or not. Like I haven't really thought about that. But back then, they didn't want anything to do with the birth parents. If you were adopted, you know, you were adopted, and you had no like it was just you signed your kids off, yeah, and that's it, you know. And uh, and my dad tells the story of uh, of uh, my birth dad was had questions he wanted to keep me you know and uh, and uh, and he was uh, i think he was 25 or 26 and he was a young guy and uh, he wasn't originally from here he's from north carolina and um anyway but he didn't wasn't married and so it was a fight and and my dad went to him and he said if he's if if he reneged again he would give up on it and he would give me back and then uh, my dad, whose name was Al, Al he uh, he signed the the papers. He he eventually did sign the papers. So um, and I'm glad about that because North Carolina, <laughs> you know, and uh, and I actually I kind of think I'd found him uh, uh, if it is him. He kind of looks like me, you know, and his kids look like me. So because uh, I think he might probably got married again. And, uh, well, he did, you know, and, uh, had two more kids, uh, born in 84 and 86. So, um, do you have any contact with them? No, no, I don't have any contact with any. I tried contacting them just to ask, you know, hey, you know, I really believe that your dad was my dad as well, you know, and I mean, everything matches. And he, I mean, put the pictures next to each other, you know. And you I mean, could, I mean, on, today's day and age, you could even yeah. do like the DNA just to right, like, get yeah. that, that confirmation. Whereas back so, back in the seventies or even, I mean, even the nineties, you couldn't do that. That's, right, that's easy. Yeah, but so and, and and but they've never even read any of my messages. And I think I did call him once about twenty five years ago, like a long time ago, when I found him when he was living someplace else, and and he said, "Nope, never, never had kids," or something like that. Uh, you know, I think he was lying, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's just, um, like, I don't, I don't know why he would not want to like, like, you know, but uh, it's not like you're going to take a bunch of money from him and child right. support or He's something not, like that. Yeah. Anyway, he ended up passing away and, uh, he, he was 78 when he, in 2020. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, but it, it, it would have been cool, but, uh, but that, that was, that's not a priority anymore. You know, back then it was a priority because I was still searching for an identity. You know, I kind of like lost this identity. You lose this identity when you're adopted. You you kind of like, well, I don't really belong to them and I don't belong to anybody else. So who do I belong to? You know, like I, I know that they care for me and they're always there for me. But there's, there's still that disconnect. You know what I mean? Like like I would say, I love you and I call them dad. And well, you know, and and but uh there was always a disconnect and I was always trying to fill that with something. And I think my brother had a, a different, I, I never really talked to him about this because he's quiet and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like, 
he's very stoic. He doesn't like to say anything about anything. And so I'd uh, say you have some of those <clears throat> same qualities as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think things like things yeah. like this are something that like I think it, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but seem like this is something new for you as far as coming out and like really openly talking about cuz even sometimes when you and I are talking in church and stuff it's you're still kind of like a little you can see the the reserved, you know, a little bit on some things. Yeah, and and I and I get that from my from my dad, you know. Everything in the family. Yeah. Nothing nothing outside the family. It's not like we're keeping big secrets, but for some reason everything in the family, you yeah. know. And uh and uh you don't talk about anything outside the family and all this kind of stuff. So but um so Carmine's still very much like that, but I think he had an easier time he might have had an easier time at it because he was adopted straight out of the high school. Like he was – like it was arranged before he was even born. It was prearranged and and uh, uh, they were from New England and so she had the child in New York City and, and uh, you know, him. And uh, and then right there, like she had the child and then handed it off, you know, <laughs> to my parents and they took him home. So uh, – and I remember when he came in, you know, just this – because I was maybe three, you know, so – but – um. So I think maybe he had that uh, nurturing, that early nur- that early nurturing, where I didn't have that. You know, you know what I mean. I didn't yeah. have that nurturing. I was uh, sloshed from place to place, and even even living with my mother, my birth mother, for instance, um, they were constantly on the move. She was part of a motorcycle gang called the Pagans, which was very popular on the on the East Coast. And, I've heard about. And them they before. would just ride all over and. Uh, crash and 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 i always told stories you know the, the child endangerment i was put on the back of motorcycles and without without restraints or anything like that and you know so and my dad joked he said maybe that's why you like motorcycles you know i'm like i don't think so dad but <laughs> it's uh, in your blood <laughs> it's in your blood but 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 my dad said that uh that he said he really believed that it wasn't the it was the environment that changes the kid. It's not so much the genes, you know, like you came from these uh, uh, drifter kind of parents yeah. and, 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 and uh, druggies or alcoholics, and you know, and that's not you. Because that's what they, that's what they said my mother had, had verbalized, that she didn't want any boys in her. She had three girls, so I have three older sisters who I have no contact with. I've never met. And... Uh, but um, – and then she had me, so I was their half-brother and uh, – but she didn't want any boys in the family because all the men in her family were in prison for one reason or another, either murder or rape or something. Every single one of her uncles was in prison. All of her brothers were in prison, you know. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, if I was raised by them, I would be in prison too. Yeah. You know, and if I got married, I, I would be in prison. You know, <laughs> I'd be in prison for for the rest of my life. By by this time, I'd, I'd probably be in prison for the rest of my life if I was raised there, thinking on on those terms. Yeah. You know, I think that's because I was always bent towards towards that. You know, that kind of just uh, well, there's also uh, you know a thing that my dad my dad taught me some things, and he taught my brother some things that were completely contrary. You know, like he talked to him differently than he talked to me. Like for me, he would say, nobody's going to give you anything in life. You got to get it yourself and by whatever means possible, you know, so <laughs> if uh, without hurting anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if that meant, you know, doing things that, that were illegal, then, you know, so be it, you know. 
Like I had a thing where um, I worked for a, a place and, you know, box box of Reeboks would drop off the truck, you know, and I would sign it off and then drive into Queens and sell the, sell the sneakers on the street. I made a profit. And for my dad, that was very, that was a positive thing. You know, that was, that was good. You know, you could, you know, what'd you get today? Yeah. Oh, I got some toilet paper. And <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, kind of, but then on the other hand, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, there was one guy I took advantage of, um, uh, they hired me and, uh, to deliver pizzas. And I thought, okay, you know, and, and they said, can you come back tonight and work? And I, I remember, I didn't even give them my last name. They just hired this kid, you know, 16 years old. So I go there and I, he gives me his bank for 40 bucks and he gives me three, four pizzas that delivers. So I deliver that. I come back. He gives me some more pizzas. I go out and deliver it. And I meant to keep the job. I really did. <laughs> but I drove around and, uh, and, uh, I couldn't find this one address. And, you know, there's no cell phones or nothing. So like, man, I've been out there for like 30 minutes looking for this address. I can't find it. So I got kind of, I didn't want to go back. Like, I'm like, I don't want to go back. He might yell at me. So I just went home. And and I kept all the money and the, and the pizza, pizza. <laughs> and we ate the pizza. My friend, my friend and I ate the pizza. And then, like two weeks later, my dad gets a phone call and he comes in and he goes, "Did you rob a Tina's pizza?" <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, uh, well, not really. The guy, dad, dad, the guy didn't even ask ask me my last name, you know. So he goes, "You still got the money?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." So I give him the money, and he went there and he gave them the money back, and um, and I followed him and I was crying, you know. And and uh, and he said, uh, and he and he said, we're not going to tell your mother, but next time don't get caught, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, you know, don't get caught doing stupid stuff, you know. But uh, anyway, you, you got to keep me focused because <laughs> no, this is this I'll, is I'll, I'll drift, you know. <laughs> into, no, actually, it, like, that's, that's the whole point stories. of a podcast is just to yeah. kind of let let your let your conversation and your story just unravel uh, organically. Yeah. And that being said, as well. When we get later on into your story and stuff, like when, when you want to talk about like what, what changed you and all that other kind of stuff as right. far as what changed inside of you and who filled that gap inside of you, feel free to speak openly yeah. you know, about the Bible and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I don't want you to feel like you can't, you know, that's, that's the thing that we're about here is just the genuineness and the conversation. So yeah. that's why we've been quiet because this is just perfect. So don't think yeah. you're doing anything wrong. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what, you know, that, that searching for identity. That, that feeling of a loss of identity. And is that That's why you filled it with like me. drugs and stuff? Well, it was I, – I, I filled it with, with – uh, I was searching for – like I was constantly searching for uh, – like I was the guy that would make all the phone calls. I would call everybody to set everything up for, for the night. You know, got to do something tonight. Got to be around people all the time. Got to be – and that's where I got my my identity from was the fact that, you know, uh, through all the people that I hung out with and my friends. And I had all all sorts of friends. I had my very smart friends who went to college and, you know, she graduated top honors, you know, worked for DuPont in a think tank, you know, like uh, one guy became a – worked with a congressman, ended up, you know, big, big-time big lawyer from from a big school in, uh, in upstate New York. And so – and then on the other hand, you know, I had a buddy that, you know, were buying cocaine and – and baking it up into crack and yeah. and smoking it, and so and it wasn't like uh like I was a daily drug user. It was just more or less like a weekend warrior, you know. 
and and it was I would a just social thing pretty much. Yeah, it, it was mm-hmm. social, and 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 I don't want to get I don't want people to get the wrong idea because anytime you use, there's no such thing as a social drug user. You know, like like if you're using drugs, there's something wrong. You know, like there's a you could be a social drinker, I guess. You know, but but you would really have to have to examine yourself. You know, in that context, but but there's no you know like. Because eventually what happened was between 85 and 95, by the time 95 came around, I had started picking up crack again in, in, in the early 90s by 94. And I was living near a town that they still sold crack on the street, you know. And every time I got drunk, I would drive by and pick up crack. And then I put the two and two together. I realized I got to stop drinking to stop smoking crack. Yeah, it lowers, lowers my inhibitions and <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And, and and that's the thing is I was I I woke up twice out of a blackout with crack, you know, like I had the uh, you know the the pipe that I made and everything, you know, and I'm like, and I don't remember buying it. I don't know how I got it. I don't remember driving there. I don't remember coming, and that scared me. You know, I'm like, man, I gotta stop. This is ridiculous. You know, so I asked my friend. I said, you know. Can uh, can you take me to an AA meeting? He goes take yourself to an AA meeting, you know my my, my silly friend Chris. <laughs> but uh, but I did, and I got eat sober for a year, and then I moved back into New York City. But um, yeah, it was just uh, filling it with 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 uh, like I went into the Navy to to stop hanging out. But the thing is, when I whenever I wasn't hanging out with a certain person, I wasn't smoking crack. Like I I didn't have the urge for it. You know what I mean? I didn't have the urge to, uh, to, to, to use anything, you know, but I did always drink, you know, I always went to the bar and hung out, you know, and, and back then, you know, the drinking age was 19 or 18 and then it went up to 21 eventually, but I was at that age where it didn't matter. And plus when I first moved into the city, I was young, you know, and I used to take the eight cause I was born in 68 and I would chalk over the eight and I could pencil in a four. And, and, you know, you didn't have to take your license out of the drive. So everybody thought I was born in 64. So, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I went on, on, uh, on legal jobs as being born in 64. So, um, anyway, but, yeah. So, so that, that transition into like wanting to, you know, search for your identity, yeah. you know, where, where did that lead into you, you know, transitioning from Mike to Michelle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, um, it was, um, I was a whore, you know, like, I mean, I was a, a whore dog, you know, like, a, um, um, I mean, to be very blunt, you know, um, I just, uh, I was constantly, uh, I had a problem, you know, like with, uh, with, uh, what do you call it, uh, um, your sexual drive, your, your, your libido was very high. And I don't know what the context of this is, this podcast. We, we mark it as know, explicit every time we upload men, it. So what, what men do, you know, yeah. and I would do that a lot, you know, like 17, 18 times a day, you know, like it just to relieve the, the, the tension. And I was constantly searching, you know, and I didn't care. It didn't really matter to me who I was having sex with. If it was a guy or a girl, uh, it didn't matter. You know, it was just all about just uh, 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 feeling good. You know, like like uh, uh, relieving your 
relieving yourself. And that's why I, I hated that part of me. And, and, and my dad would always, you know, uh, because at that time they were expanding the Long, the Long Island Expressway and they were building, they, they were cutting the, the middle part out. They're going to put an HOV lane in. They started putting all these park and rides up. So uh, the park and rides is where the guys would hang out, you know. And um, I just thought it was dirty, you know. Like lesbians don't do that. But gay guys, they'll hang out in the park and, and do that dirty stuff, you know. <laughs> like that's, that's a dirty, filthy crap, you know. Like I'm just trying to walk here, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but but anyway, I, I I had this like hatred for it. But then on the other hand, I didn't I didn't care, you know. And then I thought, well, I can make money and do the same thing because I'm good looking, you know, and and I'm a uh, so I I can sell myself and make money doing that. So so I kind of started doing that, and so I did that for a long time. And then even when I transitioned, I still did that and uh, to a different extent, you know. And um, Does that go back so, to your, like, dad, of, of essentially of make a buck however you can kind of thing? Yeah, I, 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 think, I think so. And, and also um, just, uh, I don't know, like looking back on it, it's like entrepreneurial because I was using something that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, but mean, it was it, just like – You're a, providing a service. I was providing I mean. a service, but it was just <laughs> – uh, um, I don't know. It was an easy it was an easy way to make money. Right. You know? mm-hmm. I didn't have to work and, uh, uh, as, 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 as hard. You know? Like I didn't have to uh, – I, I never had – I think my, my, my brother once said that you know, you're always looking for the easy way out, you know? And I and I and in retrospect, you know, he was right. I was always looking for the easy way out. Even when I was uh, in, introduced to Christ back in the early '90s, I still thought, "Man, I don't want to have to do all that." Yeah, I got to give up this, and I got to give up that, and I got to give up. You know, I don't know if I can do that. I want to find something that I don't have to give up any of this, <laughs> but but then, but I'm still going to find some sort of salvation. And it doesn't work, <laughs> you know. Like I've searched, you know, all of those avenues, and nothing ever worked. Nothing ever worked. Nothing ever filled me because I always was trying to fix myself. That was the problem. What, like why I, did you feel broken? Well, because I felt abandoned. It, it was. It, it really came from abandonment and rejection okay. from 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 my mother not wanting me. I got you. How and, long did it not, take for you to? So, like understand that like that's where this came from. Like how I was forty eight. <laughs> when 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 I came into the Dream Center, when yeah. when I went into the Dream Center, I started realizing uh, there was a, a very profound thing. This uh, the 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 teacher told us um, told me. She said, um, I don't know. She said something about my. I forgot. I wrote it down. But something about you know um, your mother did a very uh, a very heroic thing in giving you up, even though she did it for the wrong reasons. She still did something that was right and that was the right thing to do and the way she put it i thought yeah that's that's right and i was able to forgive my mother at, at that point you know but it wasn't until i was 49 i mean i went into the dream center at 48 and uh, and i'm now currently i'll be 54 next month so uh, you know uh it's um uh yeah I, I i forgave my mother for that and so and it's not like uh I wanted to be a woman or, or I liked women or, or I always had those tendencies. I always had tendencies from when I was going through puberty because um, just uh, 
I don't know, just anything like just trying to live out your fantasies, you know. And I know guys have fantasies, you know, and just trying to live out these crazy, crazy fantasies and make them a reality in your life. And and I and I was able to do that with about eighty percent of them, you know. The others would put me in prison for the rest of my life, but yeah. <laughs> but 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 at least eighty eighty percent of it because I'm I, I'm I'm frank, you know. Uh, the thoughts in my head were 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 vicious and 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 cruel and and uh, and towards 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 anybody, you know. And it was just uh, and you can understand how people can get twisted like that, and and and. Uh, like I got to a point in my life where um, I can understand the mindset of someone who goes into a, a grocery store and starts shooting people when, when, when you've lost all hope and, and you don't care and, and you hate everybody because you hate society because no one wants to – because you think everybody's rejecting you. No, say, and and does that stem from some of the hating of yourself as well? And like hating, it, and hating because yourself. you were talking about doing things that you didn't even want to do, that right, you didn't yeah. like. And, 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 and not finding and not even, uh, looking at, at the good things, you know what I mean? Like, like just concentrating on the, on the, on the bad things. So, like, I was, a, I can write poetry. I had, I had some poetry, uh, um, uh, published in, in 1980, in 1992. And, um, so, and I was good at sports and, you know, and I was good at acting. And, 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 uh, and, uh, uh, when I went to college, eventually uh, I was good, you know, I, I could have been an acad- an academic, you know, I, I thought about that. I thought about going and, and becoming a professor or, or, or going to law school or, and, uh, and it's just, it's, it's always this, uh, self-loathing. Like you, you really don't like yourself. You don't like your situation and you're trying to constantly fix it. You know, you don't like the urges that you have. And I would fantasize about, uh, about you know, if I can just get rid of my sex organs, I'm not going to feel this anyway. You know, I'm not going to feel this 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 hatred, the hatred or the for for myself and 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 all of the issues that I had. Maybe that'll go away. And so, uh, and it did to an extent. When I first started, it it was really when I when I moved back into New York City in in 1995. And I was about a year sober at this point, or ninety-six, and uh, and I met and I met a couple of people who I knew they were men, you know. I I knew that they had been men, you know, and and they were living as women, <clears throat> and uh, and I met them at AA meeting because that's the first thing I did, you know. I did I follow I follow instructions good, you know. Like the AA said, you know, if ever you move, you know, do don't 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 don't, don't do anything for the first year. So I didn't do anything. And then I realized it wasn't the city; it was me. That 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 was my downfall. So, if I'm going to be able to, to to get ahead in anything, I got to move back to New York. I can't stay in Deer Park, you know. So, so I moved back into New York City, and uh, immediately I did the things that you're supposed to do. I found meetings. Uh, I made friends. I got a job right away at a at, at 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 a coffee shop, and then I ended up doing catering a couple of months later. But just to pay the bills, you know, I got a quick quick job and um but at, at this meeting i met these uh two two people and uh, and i just i just they looked so happy like they looked content they had it together you know what i mean they had their life together their life meant something to them and they had friends and they had a community and i thought this is it you know 
I want to, I want to, I want to be like them. I want to hang around them. And, and, and that's what I started doing. I just started going to AA meetings and making friends and in the gay community, you know, and, uh, and following around, uh, this, uh, woman, you know, and I always had thoughts of, of doing that. You know, I, I had, a. it's just crazy thoughts, you know, and, and it's not that crazy because it's actually very common if you look it up, (laughs) but men who want to become women so they can become lesbians and be in a lesbian relationship. You know, these are some of the thoughts that I, that I would have, you know. And then I would do that, but I really didn't want to be identified as a trans woman. I want to be identified as a trans man. I was actually born female. And like, you know, and, and, and I would, and I would search to try to, to, to try to do these things, you know. And I was hanging out with these guys, with these girls who were now guys, you know, and, and so, it, it, it's very confusing, but you're you're just constantly trying to re reinvent yourself, you know, and and uh, and maybe this will work. Maybe this will bring me happiness. Maybe this will squash my my uh, my abandonment issues because my mother hated me, and because now that I hate myself, you know, and uh, and and it it helps for a little while, you know. It it does help. Like when I first went on the medication to uh, suppress your your testosterone levels in, in your body, they give you spirolactone, which is a drug. I forgot what originally what they use it for, but, um, but it, uh, it cut my testosterone down. Normal levels were like 600 and went right down to like 10, 20 or something, you know, so, and you can feel it in your body, a drastic change and you just become calmer, right? More collected. I can think now, you know, like, like all of a sudden I, I, I felt like, wow, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? And, and, and I had those models in my life that, uh, that they were, uh, that if they can do it, I, I, I can surely do it, you know? And, and, and they did it at the same age that I, that I was at 20, 27, 20, 26 years old, you know, when I first met her. Is it spir- and, spironolactone? Spironolactone? Spironolactone. Uh, S-P-I-O, S-P-I-O-R, yeah. lactone. It, it says it's used to treat high blood pressure, heart yeah. failure, uh, prevent strokes, heart attacks, kidney problems. It's also used to treat swelling, edema, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that, but it was used for suppressing testosterone yeah, as well? Yeah, because it has side effects. Uh, but if, and took in large doses, doses it would, uh, it, you would start to grow breast, breast tissue. And uh, and you would lose your libido. You know, you would lose. Uh, it, it would it would uh, mask your testosterone. Huh. There's also other drugs for. Um, and then I took est- estrogen as well. So I used to take the pills and get injections. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I I, I kind of did everything to escape my my reality because I didn't like myself. You know, and so and even when I used to. Uh, I've tried a lot of different religions, and uh, and I and I and I would read the Bible every once in a while, and and it would say, uh, "Love your neighbor as yourself." And I would say, "Well, how can I love my neighbor when I don't love myself?" You know, because I don't love myself, so I hate my neighbor. <laughs> you know, and 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 that that really resonated with me. You know, and so and I'm just going to go that way. You know, what are some of the religions you've tried? And so, well. When I was in college, I was introduced to, I tried to, uh, well, Judaism, you know, I tried to convert to Judaism. Um, 
which lasted about a year, I think. And then um, Hinduism, Buddhism, Vipassana meditation, um, Catholicism. I went back to being a Catholic, a very stout Catholic. I would do the, the rosary every day. I became part of the the uh, the you said the, go the back Mary group did you grow up Catholic yeah yeah okay. I, I grew up Catholic yeah and that's another thing if I grew up my with my birth parents I, I would have grew up uh, Protestant probably you know I, I would have grew up Baptist because that's the church that they went to they, they they were Christians when I found when I found them on online they were they were Baptists from North Carolina which is pretty cool yeah <laughs> I thought maybe I'll just show up to the to the church and well say so you've been hey. to the Baptist church a couple of times in yeah. Sterling haven't you yeah yeah. So, and, uh, but yeah, no, I just, um, that's, uh, uh, well, so, uh, so you're going through, so you, you've, you've transitioned, uh, and you're doing medications. Is there a surgery that's associated with that that you did? Yeah. And then I, um, and I took it a few more steps because the, the people that, that I was modeling myself after, they, um, like I didn't understand why you would want to do something and then not just do it. Like go – like when I do things, I want to go all the way or I'm not going to do it at all. I'm not even going to try to do it, you know. Like I don't want to be identified as trans, you know. Like like if if you're going to be a woman, then be a woman. You know, don't don't be a woman. Don't, don't be a man dressed like a woman because I remember going to this person's apartment and they took their wig off. Oh, man. You know, look like a man, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and fake implants for the breasts and like, dude, you, you know, you're just a, you're just a, a transvestite, you know, like, like, you, you know, but, but their identity is in them. They feel empowered by being a, by, by making believe that they're a woman, like, like just acting, you're, you're, you're acting a role, you know, and, and you're acting out this, this, this role. It doesn't make any sense. It it never made any sense. If if you would just, I just wanted to. If I was going to be a woman, I was going to try to be a woman a hundred percent, or get as close as I could. You know, I I want. I don't want to be known as trans. I want to be known as biological. And that was trying to make my fantasy a reality. And that's no <clears> way <throat> I was going to be able to do that. I'm not God. I can't create myself. Right. I used to dream about like. What if I can, t you know, take my brain out of my body and then put it in a woman's body, you know? And then I would just wake up and learn how to move my fingers and stuff and walk and, you know? Yeah. And then I would be able to live my life, you know? And that's going to bring me happiness, you know? So, uh, so I, 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 I went for it, you know? I, I just, uh, I started saving money and I had, uh, several operations. I had, uh, two throat operations to get rid of my Adam's apple. So you couldn't see that. It's called a tracheal scrape, and uh, and then I had a, 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 a vaginal plastic, you know, a, 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 a I forgot what they call it, but sex reassignment sur sur surgery in in, in uh, Texas, and then um, I also had an additional surgery, a uh, lambda surgery, on top of that to make it look more uh, real, you know. Um, and then uh, I had breast implants done uh, only once, and I didn't have anything. Uh, I think it was 450 cc. It was crazy because I remember coming out of that, I was hurting, you know, because yeah. the pressure, you know, like it really hurt because you're a man. 
And uh, with with women, they don't have to go under the muscle. They can do it in the pocket. But uh, but with the men, they have to go underneath the muscle. Sometimes they do that with the women, but so you don't see anything, you know. And uh, but it pushes up against the muscle. I ended up when I went for my reversal surgery, um, I had two torn pectoral muscles here that they had to repair, and all of that extra loose skin that was here that, that she sewed up. She really did a good job, except there's a really ugly scar <laughs> from here to here, you know, that, uh, and, and I have no strength whatsoever <laughs> on my chest anymore. <laughs> I used to be able to bench like 250 years ago, <laughs> but, but now I'm, I'm lucky if I can do the bar, but that's all right. I don't yeah. care, you know, or mm-hmm. like 15 push-ups, you know, <laughs> on my knees. <laughs> how, how hard was it for you to find? Cause I mean, I would assume today finding somebody to do those surgeries is easy. How, how hard was it, it for you to it, find somebody to do those surgeries hard. then? There, uh, there, there were a lot of doctors. It was kind of open. It was hard to get, uh, to get the okay to do it. Nowadays, it's a lot easier. Like you don't really have to, you can just go to a therapist for, I don't know how long, like, I don't even know what the requirements are, but I think it's like just a year and it doesn't really have to be a psychiatrist. It can just be a clinical, a clinical psychiatrist or, or, or your own, your own therapist. And they can prescribe you medication and say that I've been counseling this person for a year and then write a letter of recommendation and that's it and that's all you need you know back then i needed two letters of recommendation and i needed to go to either a clinical psychologist or or a psychiatrist and i did you know so i had to go through um <clears throat> psychological evaluations you know but uh but i was telling them what they wanted to hear so i can have my results you know what i mean like i, I would just start you know cuz i heard other people say Oh, well, you know, I always felt this way since I was six. So I would think, all right. <laughs> well, I kind of did, you know. So I just elaborated, you know, and I would just say it, you know. That's one of the things that uh, that I that I battled with for years and years and years was the abandonment and rejection and trying to be something that you're not was lying and just lying about yourself to everybody. And that kind of carried on to uh, to the the life that I was leading. And it wasn't so much that I, I was lying to myself then, but I was still around people that knew me and knew me from before. So I couldn't lie about that, you know. But I was accepted, but then I started, you know, wanting to be fully accepted. I want to be fully accepted as 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 a woman. So when I left New York City, when my sponsor had moved to Florida, he retired. My sponsor from AA had had retired, and uh, this was in 2004. And uh, I had been working as a construction worker. I got the job through non-traditional work for women, you know. And I tried to lie to them and say that I was a biological female, and uh, but they wanted my high school transcripts for some reason, and so uh, I said, "But I graduated college, you know. Like I have my college transcripts." It says Michelle Cressy on it. Doesn't say Michael, you know. And um, and they said no, no, no. For for uh, funding reasons, we need your high school transcripts. So I had to get my high school transcripts, and that was the only document that I could not change my name on. Everything else, I changed my name. I wanted to eradicate Michael Cressy completely, and just be Michelle. And I was able to do that. I mean, he's still today. My birth certificate says Michelle Giovanna Cressy, you know, where my name was Michael Thomas Cressy. And, uh, 
And, you know, I got it done on every single document, but that was the only document I couldn't get it done on. And they were kind of elated that I was there. You know, like, oh, we never had a trans person here before, you know, and I'm like, I'm not trans. You know, like I'm yeah. thinking to myself, I don't want to be known as trans, you know, but but um anyway, I went through their training program and I was and I was in the union. I was a union worker. And of course women get into the union right away. You don't there's no waiting list or anything like that. So but uh that's when I started when 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 my sponsor had left, I just stopped going to meetings. I stopped going downtown. I stopped I started separating myself because I wanted to live your new life. In my new life. Yeah. And they know too much. So I need to find people that don't know me and I can be around them. So that's what I started doing. And uh and then I thought, well, you know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I don't believe in that dogma. You know, and we were sitting in pizza joint and Jeanette was sitting across from me and, and I ordered an Amstel light and, and she said uh she said, Shelly, you know, she used to call me Shelly. She goes, Shelly, you're an alcoholic. I'm like, ah, I don't believe in that, you know, and, and it was fine. You know, I started socially drinking and, uh, but really it was until 2014 when, uh, or 2013 when I really thought, you know, my, I saw no hope. Like I couldn't see a, a, a future anymore. Because I was constantly trying to get people to accept me. And now it was harder for me, you know, because I kind of looked and androgynous, you know. And that's when I came into the Dream Center. I really thought that I had arrived. Like I thought, wow, they accept me as female. Because I remember the director once saying, you know, I'm not going to let that woman do that. You know, it's like she, she really thinks that I'm a woman, you know, and it made me feel so good. You know, like I, I, I've accomplished it, you know. I'm here, you know, um, they, they, they believe me, they, they accept me and I want to stay, you know, but then after staying there and graduating and then even going into leadership there for nine months, the Holy Spirit said, but they're accepting a lie, right? They're accepting a lie. And I'm like, no, don't do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to tell them. I want to stay, I want to stay the way I am. Everybody likes me, you know, and that's the whole thing is I wanted everybody to like me, you know, and you can't get anybody to like you. You know, you're doing really well in life when there's people that hate you, <laughs> <laughs> then you know, you're doing well in life because you're, you're being, you're being you, you I know, agree. you're not trying to get other people to like you all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's all I wanted to do. And I was so scared because I, I, I essentially lied to these people this whole time. But I thought, you know, because I could have kept it going. I think, well, not as a Christian, you know, because the Holy Spirit really convicted me. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you, and if you don't do anything about it, that's the sin that you can't come back from. That's the sin that he talks about where you can't come back from. That quenching the Holy Spirit, the, uh, dis disregarding what the Holy Spirit has just said, said to you. He said, you need to come clean. You need to tell these people. What's 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 going on? You know where you're really really from, because because I wanted to stay, you know. And, and I'm sure I, that was uh, a scary prospect, considering yeah. you'd spent the better part of at this point what twenty some years, yeah, uh, trying to convince everyone of the exact opposite, right? And now you're at a point where it's like I finally arrived. Like right. these people these wholly people. believe me as a woman. I'm not I'm not identified as anything else. I am. Right. I, I'm. I've. I've met the precipice of what I yeah. wanted from my life. I, 
I've created myself. I, I, I found out that I am a Christian woman. <laughs> and I'm not a woman, you know? It's just, it's like, it's like I created that. You know what I mean? And, and that's, and that's, and, and, and we can't create ourselves. We have to be who we are. And, and, and that's what I love about, um, you know, Jesus would, will, when, when we accept Christ into our heart, when, when we ask Christ into our life, he starts to change us. And he doesn't stop changing us until it's complete, you know. And there's no, there's no middle ground, you know. Like he'll, you know, and I even, you know, when he says, you know, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. He wants you either hot or cold. That's it. You're either on fire or you're freezing cold so I can work on you. <laughs> In the middle, I, I can't do nothing with that, you know. So... I, I got that far and that's, and the Holy Spirit convicted and, and I, and, and, uh, and it was just, you know, I almost became a nun. You know, I came very close, you know, I used to go to these, uh, I, I tried everything. <laughs> uh, I, I would go on retreats to, uh, uh, they were called monastic livings where I would, where I would, uh, go for a week and, and, and shadow a nun for a whole week. And, uh, and I went to the point where I filled out all the paperwork for these, for this order up in Syracuse, New York. And I thought, I can do this. But then I thought, man, like 15 years later, they might find out, you know, like, and then there's a big scandal and it'll be in the, you know, like I, and, and I just got nervous, you know, and, and, and I didn't go for it. You know, I didn't, I didn't do it because of that. But, but, um, you know, it's just like I, I never knew that I would be able to be a hundred percent, and and it's 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 all, and, and it's just it's it's just it doesn't it doesn't work, you know it it doesn't work in the end, and I guess it it could work for people that that like my friends who who I modeled myself after, like they got to a point in their walk with 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 their transgenderism that they were comfortable they were comfortable identifying like like that and but it didn't make like I, I just wasn't like that i i just couldn't conform to that and the way like my my, my my friend would categorize everything she she would say well i have my trans friends and then i have my gay boyfriends and then i have my uh straight girlfriends and then I have like she had all of these little pockets of people that she would hang out with but none of those other pockets of people overlapped to the other pocket <laughs> you know what I mean like it's just uh, like she had her work her work friends but everybody knew you know and everybody was accepting but then you, they're really not accepting because when when you're hanging out with the other the other the other women you know you're you're thinking you're, you know, but but they know that you're trans at at the table. They don't talk about the same things that they would normally talk about. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so when when I came out here, and people started validating that I was a woman, you know, like when other people say you're you're a woman, if this person has kind of doubts or they look at you kind of funny. They're going to think that because this other person thinks that. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, like I've arrived, you know, and everybody believes me. And, and this is the life that I want. And so and I'm having these deep, intimate conversations like that's what I wanted when I was a kid, too. Just to why can't I talk to the girls, you know, 
like like have these deep conversations, you know, and and I started to to hear these these stories, you know, and but then they would ask me, that they, they would say, so what was it like, you know, when you gave birth to your son, you know, because one one of the lies was I had a son, you know, who lived in Chicago, you know, like my lies were elaborate, you know, they 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 encompassed everything. I, it was like a whole other world that never existed, but yet I, I knew every. Every, you thoroughly thought them out. And, yeah, I yeah. thoroughly thought it out, like 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 the hundred acre wood, you know, in Winnie the Pooh. You know, I knew every single corner that Christopher Robin knew. You know, I knew I knew that woods inside and out. It was it, this is my story. So there was no catching me in a lie. You know, it became like fluent. It became just just this this fluent thing. And so, but I had to study things. Like there were some times where I would get caught up. And they would say some biological things to me, and I had no answer. I, I never even heard of that, you know. And then I went and had to look it up, <laughs> and then come back and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." That's uh, you know. I just picture you like turning to the side with your phone, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> googling really quick. Yeah, googling menstrual cycles. Well, let's see. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, like I, I just, I, just, I would just take other people's. Like I had a girlfriend in 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 in, in high school who, uh, you know. I, I know when she had her first period, so I just said that I was 14 like she was, you know. Like, like I would just, you know, just make up things based on other people, other people's stories. So you, you basically know? have made a bunch of other people's lives your own life. Right. You're basically piecing together yeah. to make your own story. And and you can remember it better because – It's relatable. It's relatable yeah. because it comes out it comes out of a truth. Your lie, lies always come out of some truth, you know. Like, yeah, I was there, but I yeah. really didn't do anything <laughs> of, that, that I told you about, but I actually did go there. Yeah. <laughs> a, you know, I, 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 I was there. But, um, and, and, and the lies were just, you know, just everything to make yourself something that, that you're not. And, and it was hard to, uh, to stop doing that, you know? Like, like people would ask me, uh, things that I would say, oh, no, that actually didn't happen. Like, I would have to think in my mind. You know, did I really? Oh no, that was just that was that was something that was made up. You know, like I never, I I, I was never really, uh, I I I had never been to Wisconsin. You know, but but uh, but part of you know that like somebody would say, oh well, you used to be you used to go to Wisconsin all the time, and then I had I like I had a pause and think, well, that's where my son was going to school. Like that was the story, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I was there in the fictional story, you know, to visit him. Did that? First... But I had never actually been to Wisconsin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just like you had to catch catch yourself and then say, "Oh yeah, yeah." Did that further that void that you were feeling? Because it's like <clears throat> you're you're seeking this validation and this fulfillment, right? Yeah. But whereas, like, let's say you did live all of those things, you did do all of those things. You know, that's a piece of you. That's a part of you. But now you're like putting other things in this, you know, kind of, I guess what we kind of termed the, the hole that you were trying to fill. Yeah. But it's almost like it, it just goes down into this deep cavern that, you know, it, it just disappears into the abyss like everything else because it's not truly your experiences, your life, your things. Did that, did that make it feel worse? Did that make you feel that disconnect even yeah. more? And it did. But, but, but I would mask it. I, I would just gloss over it. You know what I mean? 
and 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 I wouldn't think about that. But that's but that's a good way to think of it because I always you know you you think about the analogy of you're digging yourself a hole, and you don't realize you're digging yourself a hole, and then before long, you're so far deep that that you can't even reach reach the top anymore, you know. And but but you're down there thinking this is the way out, you know. This is the way out, and you keep digging, and and uh, and then somebody yells at you, you know, and, and you look up and, and so, and you realize, oh, I'm in a hole, you know, and when you realize you're in a hole, that's, that's when everything, everything becomes dark, you know, like real dark, you know, and, 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 and and all I want to do is be liked and, and nobody likes me, you know, and then, and then you get into this darkness, you know, and, uh, and that's what leads to suicide. That's what leads to, I'm going to kill everybody because I hate everybody and and, no, and nothing's and, fulfilled and nothing's, me. Nothing's fulfilled me. Like nothing's I, I, worked. This world stinks. And you felt like you've tried yeah. everything. And you feel like you tried everything. And pretty much, I tried enough to say I tried everything. You know, I didn't try everything, right. but I tried enough to realize none of that is going to work. You know, even if I tried only twenty percent of, of of what's out there, that's still it's part of the world. It's part of man's man's creation, not not God's creation. And so, and and that was when I was in that jail cell, look, looking out the window. That's when I realized, you know, I think I need to come back to Jesus. And I said that out loud. And whenever you say Jesus's name out loud, in 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 in, in, a, in a cry like that, in a plea, he comes to you, you know. And so, and, why were you in jail? Uh, for uh, I didn't know how to kill myself. So what I did was I went out and bought a gun. Um, uh, an, an MNP shield. <laughs> I told you I had an yeah. MNP shield. So, and then I went around and, um, and I was taking my anger and aggression out and I was afraid to shoot at people. I didn't want to shoot at people, but I would shoot at inanimate objects like buildings and tractors and, uh, things like that. So that's what I started doing. And, uh, and I didn't never kept up with the news. You know, I lived on a farm in Rush County. I wasn't keeping up with the news, but apparently, you know, it was like all over the place. Like somebody's going around shooting up buildings and 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 uh, co-ops and and uh, farm farm equipment <clears throat> in in different counties. And that was me, you know. And then w- one time, um, I, I had been trying to drink myself to death. You know, I tried to shoot myself, but I couldn't do it. And the MMP shield has a heavy trigger, and when you pull on it, you can pull on it a little bit, and then it'll, you can hold it right there, and it doesn't fire. I remember I had it at my chin and then I just kind of leaned over and all of a sudden it went off in front of my face and it went through the cabinet. <laughs> and I thought, wow. And nobody heard. You know, and, and that even furthered the isolation. Like, you know, because I was in my cabin. The house is right over there. But nobody came to check. You know. How do you think it would have gone if somebody would have come and been like, did you hear that? Or are you okay? Or I probably would have lied. You know, I would have said, no, I'm fine. You know, oh, my gun, my gun went off by mistake. You know, I was just trying to clean it or something. I, I, I would have lied, you know. Yeah. And so, but it was one night on a Friday night. I don't know if it was Friday night. Some, some, one of the nights I was running out of beer and, and I needed to have beer. And in Kansas, everything is, uh, closes at certain times and I don't want to drive all the way to the outer limits. So I drove into Lawned. And as I'm driving into Larned, I was wasted, you know, and I had the dog with me. 
and I lost control of the car, flipped it over. And it wasn't about until about an hour later that I woke up in the flipped over car and I thought, oh no, you know. So I got out of the car and I found the dog, you know, <laughs> and I tried to push the car over. I couldn't do it. So I called up the, uh, the nuns and, uh, and she says, you're going to have to bite the bullet on that. So I said, right, you know, can you, I said, can you get the tractor out here? You know? So, uh, so I called the, I called the, uh, the tow truck, but then the police came as well and the tow truck was called. So, uh, they, they came out and, uh, and, uh, you can smell it, you know, beer cans all over the place. I tried to hide it by throwing it further out into the field, <laughs> like an idiot, <laughs> you know, like, and, uh, anyway, but, uh, I, I blew, they, they arrested me and I went to Larned and, uh. And I blew a point six or something like that, so I was under the legal limit. But he still, uh, uh, he still uh, charged me with a drunk driving because I was in an accident, and he knew I was drunk that I was in the accident. It's just time had passed, so um, so he charged me, but I didn't lose my license because I was under the li- under right. the limit. But I had to pay like one hundred and fifty dollars or something like that, and then I got out. But they said. I had my gun in my purse, you know, and, and, uh, and I said, Oh, I said, yeah, I, I do have a firearm, you know, and I, and I, and I gave it to him. And by this time, a couple of the nuns had come from the church and, and I said, um, and he asked me, he said, would you like me to give your gun to one of the sisters? And I said, no, no, that's all right. I'll pick it up tomorrow. And if I had said, sure, go ahead, give it to one of the sisters, I would have went on. Who knows what my life would have been like six months later or even a few months later. I might have ended up killing somebody. But because I said, go ahead and keep the gun, I'll pick it up tomorrow in the morning, I went to pick it up and they didn't give it to me. And then I went again a week later and they didn't give it to me. And they were investigating. The gun matched, you know, all of these, all of this damage. So I went out and bought another gun. And... <laughs> But when in the in the interim between buying these guns, maybe uh, three weeks went by, where there were no reports of shootings. So, and it just started to narrow down. And then they caught me on video uh, uh, shooting at a uh, at Yoga Central, which was uh, a yoga place. And I was kind of angry with them because they didn't hire me, or I didn't. I don't know why, but uh, I wanted to be a yoga teacher, you know, because that's what I went to school for back in 2010 or, or nine. And uh, so I taught that a little bit at the Health and Racquetball Club. Uh, and now it's a, a health one. Uh, I don't know what the name of it is. It's in Great Bend. But I taught there for a little bit. Do you feel like a, um, a lot of those that you lashed out at, did you know personally or was it most of it stuff? You no, didn't? I didn't know them really at all. Yeah. You know, it was just like them I knew because I actually went in to see if they were looking for yoga teachers, mm-hmm. you know. And and it was just a haphazard thing. I was just driving home drunk, and, and I thought, well, I'll just shoot this place, you know. So I just pulled in. But it was the first time I ever got out of the car, and I took aim, and I, and I, and I unloaded the gun into the building and drove away, and they had surveillance camera. And, and it was obvious. It was my minivan, you know. And, 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 and when the police came to investigate, I was wearing the same clothing <laughs> as in the video and I kept saying that, is, that doesn't look like me at all <laughs> you know and then I packed up the car and left because I knew they were going to come back for, with a warrant 
and that's when I had the the epiphany when I drove to 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 Great Bend, and uh, that morning, the next day, that morning, and uh, my car was filled with all of my 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 life and the dog, and uh, and then I thought about the nuns. I started thinking about somebody other than myself, and when I thought about somebody other than myself, I thought I can't let them go through this because they're going to show up and they're going to show up, you know. And they did. They, they, I, I, I went back to the farm. I turned and I went back to the farm. If I had chose to keep going, I would have eventually gotten caught. But the thing is, I would have done more damage because I would have thought, well, I can commit suicide by police. All I got to do is show them, point it at them. You know, I don't have to pull the trigger, you know. And they'll, and they'll gladly, uh, uh, appease my, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, so uh, anyway, I thought about somebody other than myself. So I drove back to the farm, and within 30 minutes, you know, like 12, 12 SUVs and and the SWAT team with the with the I don't know if they were SWAT, but the, the guys with the armor and the, and the big M16s or whatever, and they were just walking around. And but because I was there, I was able to direct them to where everything was. You know, tell them that they didn't have anything, any part of it. All of the ammunition I wish is every, here. I wish every search warrant was that way. Yeah. <laughs> that would make life so much easier. Yeah. So they didn't have to go into any of the other houses and nothing. And they just, you know, and it saved, it saved a lot, you know, because, yeah, it, it, it saved a lot. And then eventually they said, you know, and then they arrested me. And, and, and I spent about three months in Larned. And then I finally, and my bail was only five hundred dollars or something. It would have been five hundred with a bail bondsman, because it wasn't like you know, it was it was um, I got I got a, a felony, a lowest felony you can possibly have, you know, for <laughs> uh, destruction of property more than a thousand dollars or something like that. It was just the money involved. I did a lot of damage, you know, like uh, twenty something thousand dollars worth of damage. You know, one guy's GPS system I hit on. On a tractor, so and I'm still paying that off. That's been three years now. And it's down to about eight grand now, I think, but I'm still paying it off. So how how did you end up in the Dream Center after after that experience? Was that part of your court? Or? Yeah, no, no, it wasn't part of the court order. Okay, I was just uh, I was just in jail, and they said you might as well you might as well keep her in jail because um, she might as well just stay there because other charges are going to come from from uh, Rush County. Charges are going to come from Barton County. I was just being charged from Pawnee County, so um, there's going to be other other charges. And so, um, but that wasn't about. It was about a year later when they finally charged me. I was already in the Dream Center when uh, when uh, the director got the call and said, "You know, there's a warrant out for for Michelle. Um, is she living there? You know." And and they said, "Yeah." And so, um, well, we'll. I'll drive to Rush County and we'll turn ourselves in. So that's 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 what we did. But um, uh, what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> uh, ba- basically, like, what? How did you end up at the Dream Center? Oh after yeah. The so court process. So so I was in there, and my lawyer that I was appointed uh, knew the director and uh, said, "Did you ever hear about the Dream Center?" And I said, "Oh no, I never heard of it." And can you, you know? tell us a little bit about it too? Why you're yeah telling yeah. Your story? So um. Uh, I had no idea about it, and uh, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I did hear about it, but I didn't know anything about it. You know, I just heard Dream Center, and I thought it was kind of a quirky name because, 
you know, um, anyway, I just thought it was like a, like a place that helped people, but I didn't have any idea what it was about. And, uh, and the nuns knew because the nuns were affiliated with them when they first started a little bit, uh, in, in, in the beginning. And, uh, and, uh, I said, well, you know, what is that? And she said, well, I think they have a discipleship program and, uh, but they're very religious. That's what the nun said to me. So I said, well, maybe that's what I need, you know? So, but, uh, but I ended up going to the dream center and, um, and this was I by got, your choice. Yeah. Okay. I, I had the application was mailed to me, was, was brought to me at, at the jail. I filled it out and then I sent it back through my, through my lawyer and, uh, and the judge granted release, you know, without bail. Uh, so, so I was able to get out and, uh, the nuns came and brought my car. I don't know how they got it there. They drove it with two flat tires. Like, they put air in my tire. You know, what's the matter with you? You know, like, how did you get it here? There's no air in the tire. It's like nine miles away. You drove on a dirt with no air in my tire? You know? That's what I, was, that's what I said to his sister. Uh, I'm like, what the heck? And all of my stuff was still in it, too. Like, come on, you know? Anyway, but uh, so I went to, to Casey's to, to fill up the tire. And I thought about getting a, uh, a tall boy. And I was at that Casey's on my way to the Dream Center. But I didn't, you know. And, and I drove to the Dream Center. But, uh, the Central Kansas Dream Center is, uh, is a place, uh, the director, her name is Kim, Kimberly Becker. And, uh, her, and at the time, Lisa Parr and Cindy Broyles. Those are the three women that kind of started it. And Parr was married to her husband, uh, Randy. Who, and both of them were missionaries. So, and, uh, and, uh, Kimberly had this vision of starting a place. And, uh, and she ended up, uh, with the help of Mark Ball, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, acquiring that building, uh, which was the old high school and then the old Roosevelt Junior High School. And, but then it had been abandoned for a really long time. So, uh, it was a wreck, you know, uh, but they renovated it and, 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 and they made it into uh, into something to help. It was uh, there. There are other dream centers all over, but a, a dream center uh, is sort of like uh, I guess I don't know what it's about about the uh, about how they use the name or anything like that. But like, there's a dream center in Arizona. There's a dream center in California. You know, so but they're all independent of each other. You know, and so um, and our dream center uh, uh, we used the Teen Challenge program. And I never heard of the Teen Challenge program. So that was uh, good, you know. It, uh, I really advocate the Teen Challenge program. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome program. I actually, that's, uh, I was certified to teach that. And that's what I did for those nine, for, for the time that I was in leadership there at the Dream Center. And she started this because she had a heart for, for uh, people, you know. I mean, Kimberly has a heart for, for, well, she just gave for up a broken kidney. people. Yeah, she and, just gave up a kidney. Well, so, yeah, yeah last year, yeah, she. Uh, but it's just uh, like she has a heart for broken people, and and uh, and she will go, she will fight for you, and she will fight for you, and uh, and 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 do the best job that she can, you know, and t- tireless, tireless, and it's it seemed effortless. But then when I went into leadership, it wasn't effort. <laughs> there was a lot of effort into it, yeah. you know. But it just seemed that way. But there was there's a lot of a lot of stuff in the background that 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 you don't see. But um, 
they had a men's program and a women's program. I think they have a women's program now. I was in the women's program. I went in the women's program, and uh, and so uh, and that's when I, you know, like wow, they're accepting me. You know, like I don't have to try to lie, or I don't have to even try to to like convince anybody any, of, of, of anything. I'm being accepted, you know, for who I am. But who I am was a lie, you know. So, but but anyway, it's um, it's uh, it's located in Great Bend, Kansas, and uh, and uh, they have an application. You know, and, and it's a really it's a really great place. And they also serve meals to like the homeless. And yeah, stuff every and they day. serve meals to the homeless uh, every single day. When I was there, I was helping out in the uh, soup kitchen. We would serve 80, 120 people. And then when the pandemic came, we were doing uh, bag lunches. You know, we, we had a lot of people serving a lot of people, people that came out of the woodwork that I never even seen before, <laughs> you know, that were that were showing up. So and you have a lot of regular people that, that that show up and we would do anything you know get people a hotel room if they needed a an, an overnight stay we would uh, direct them to different different facilities um, we would help in any way that we could you know and um, and the dream center was was a beacon of light it really was because in the interview that I that I had um, it, I don't really remember the the interview much. But I remember Lisa, Kimberly, and uh, and Cindy were there, and um, <clears throat> the one thing I said to them is, I, I said I need a long term, comprehensive place to work on my stuff, to work on myself, because I'm I'm completely screwed up, you know, like uh, nothing is working, nothing has ever worked, you know, like I was very, it, it was that uh, blunt and and and. Uh, and so they accepted me into the program. And it's funny because I, I went through the nine months and I graduated, but then I stayed there for an additional three years as leadership, but I was still in the building. I was still learning and growing and building my character. So that's what I needed. It, it was like a, a four-year, you know, where where I just had to get pulled out of the world and, and retaught you know, and, and re-educated, you know, to, to how to actually live and, and, and to live as a Christian. That's how to actually live, you know. And oh, there was another uh, uh, thing that I studied, um, a philosophy that I had studied, and I remember looking back at the philosophy and thinking, it, that's, that's Christianity. That's the Bible Minus Christ, I, I find the, I find the same. I find the you same know. thing in like leadership trainings. You know, oh yeah, when they talk about servant leadership, and just like Rob says, look no further than the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think anything, and and you know, I, I I have no problem talking about any of this, but anything that in this world that's good, usually you can tie it back into the word somehow, and yeah. in some way, it's got it's got like those those ethoses and those those thought processes in it, and and I think that's also interesting because. When you when you were in the Dream Center, nobody knew that you were Mike Cressy. Right. Nobody. Nobody knew. So you also didn't have a, an opportunity where people were saying, "Well, you know, you gotta you gotta change back." You know, kind of like Bible thumping that in, like that's against God, like that's a, you know that kind of thing. Like this was this was a process that you did. Like, right. I mean, that Christ did through you. Well, but you, you didn't yeah. have somebody that was like beating this into you, like forcing you to do this, right? Right, and and that's the thing is, uh, Pastor Dozer set, uh, uh, really, really did that. Was he uh, he took his time, you know? Because even after I had come clean, 
and uh, when the Holy Spirit convicted me at that women's conference, and I told them a, a day later, and uh, it was a good almost like nine months before I started counseling with Pastor Dozer, you know, and and gearing up to when when I counseled with him, and he said, uh, and he said, I see the man inside of you, you know, and uh, and. Uh, you know, and at this time, you haven't gone through the transition surgery or anything no, like no, that. You're nothing. still very was, much Michelle in I, I every was, way. I was Michelle in, 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 in every way, and only a few people knew, a few leadership at the church and a couple, and a few people at the Dream Center. Even uh, 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 one, one of the lead teachers didn't know. Like, it was, it was kept secret, you know, and it was done that for protection, you know, for so it wouldn't lead to anything. So... But the thing is, if I went in saying I was trans, I, it, it would have been like God led me there the way I was, thinking I'm complete. This is I, I'm now complete. Wow, you know I'm, I'm this is I, I want to stay here, and I want to serve God and stay here. But you can't serve God and stay here and stay in the lie. You have to change. That's what the Holy Spirit said. So I have to change. So I told him. But the thing is. If I had gone on, if I had gone in with any other way, I would have felt that abandonment. I would have felt that rejection more, and I probably would have walked out. You know, if I was pushed. You know, I think people, in, a in, lot in, of people, get that, that bad. Yeah, yep. and so, and you don't want to push. Yeah, you just want to love. You just exactly. want to love. You just want to love. And and so, and and that's what they did for nine months after I had come clean. They didn't push or nothing. Almost as if it was like an option, because when I look back, it's like there, there's no option. You know, <laughs> like you have to you have to do this. But it's uh, making sure that you're in the right space. You know, but for me, it's, whenever the Holy Spirit ever speaks to me, it's like that's it. You know, it's once I have that confirmation, there there's no there's no more praying about it it's just let's 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 put that into action you know let's go you know let's do what, what god just told me to do and so and that's when pastor Dozer said well maybe we can take about a year like three months <laughs> and i and i had the the money for the operation and the and the church supported and raised up the funds of course with some of my own money and they had raised up an additional five thousand or six thousand or whatever whatever it was i forget and then some of the stories that had come out of that, you know, like one of the stories was, you know, a man who had, you know, who's Christian, AG, you know, uh, third generation or second generation, a, you know, uh, grew up in Assembly of God, and but had a, a vicious habit of smoking. Like he just couldn't give it up. And he gave it up. And to my knowledge, that he still doesn't smoke today, you know, but, but he did that because he said, you know, if Michelle can do that, you know, then I can do that. You know, you know what I mean? So, and, and even though like, like my story is really about responsibility, identity, abandonment, and rejection, you know, all of the trans and all of the other stuff that, that floated around in the, in that, uh, is just, a, a circumstance of, of, of the, those four things, you know, the, the, the byproduct of those four things, you know, of me trying to, to, to fix myself by creating something completely different, you know, like, like, uh, Monty Python. I used to love Monty Python. And now for something completely different, you know? <laughs> and, and it's true. Like human beings can, can change themselves. They can radically change themselves 
from one moment to the next. Like you, you live one way all your life, and then now you're a retired police officer. You make a decision, and you can go another yeah, another direction. Exactly. And and only human beings can do that. Like we're created to do that. We're created to choose. You know, but um, but through the guidance of Christ and the Holy Spirit <laughs> living inside of us, that's when we make those proper choices. And and uh, without that, we're we're just constantly, you know, trying to grab stuff like that, like that uh, il- illustration. Yeah, you you it, it, you use it, and then it slips through, and then it's gone down down that hole, you know. And and you just and you keep going and you keep going. You're never really going anywhere, you know. And and just like in, um, I, I love the Lord of the Rings too. It's just, you know, you take that first step, and uh, and you don't know where it's going to lead you. But all paths lead lead somewhere. You, you, you know what I mean. And and there's only one path. There's only one path that that leads to salvation. And and that's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. And and that's a hard thing to to just say one. There's, there's got to be something else. But there really isn't anything else. You know. And don't waste your life. You know. Like another person that I used to listen to a lot. You know said. You know. Uh, if you're doing something for 10 years, we think that's a little too long. <laughs> if it's wrong, you've been doing it. But to think of things as like wrong and right, you know, to put them into that, like I was living wrong. Like it wasn't like, you know, because people around me were, were saying, oh, this is this is going to be good. This is the right thing. You know, you have to do you. You choose you. And Yeah, but it just feels wrong. <laughs> it still feels wrong, but everybody's saying it's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you know – yeah, you're saying it's right, but but it doesn't feel right. You know, it doesn't feel right. And and there is a, a thing about feelings. You know, we're not supposed to go off our feelings. We go off the word. But uh, but we have this in, intuition. We have this built-in pr- protection, you know. If something's not right, we, we can feel it. We, we can sense it, you know. I mean, even the craziest stuff that I've done in my life, there were times where, you know, when I was invited into the room, I'm like, I'm not going in there, you know, <laughs> like I know right away, you know, this is not going to, this is going to turn out. Yeah. This might turn out bad. So I left, you know, but that's just preservation, you know, <laughs> like, and, um, and some people go into the room and then they're never seen of, seen of again, you know, so. One of the uh, things uh, that, that caught my ear when you were telling your story uh, in your YouTube video was. That Pastor Do- Pastor Dozier was the first one that really acknowledged you, like I guess as a man, and like and 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 treated you like a father. I guess. Was, yeah. I may I may be paraphrasing that wrong, but well, why was that important? It, it was important because like my my dad was a good guy. The only thing is he 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 really the way he raised us was he didn't want he didn't want us to hate him. Like he didn't want to create any problems, so we, we never got in trouble. Never got uh, scolded, really. You know, I mean, little little scoldings here and there. You know, don't put your hand in the fire. Don't stick your head. You know, like like little stuff. But I never got like uh, uh, punished. I, I I never got grounded. You know, I just kind of we just kind of did what we wanted to do. You know, and and but we always had respect for our parents. So you know, if my dad said to come in at ten, I'd come in at ten. You know, I really want you home by ten. But if I came in at 11, like, I never got in trouble for that, you know. I never got in trouble for anything. 
And it was because, you know, I never got in trouble for stealing that money. I remember telling that story to to a girlfriend's mom once at that at that time, uh, a year or so later. And, and she said, if you were my son, I would have, you know, this and that and sent you to therapy and all this kind of stuff. And my dad's like, just don't do it, you know. <laughs> like, Don't get caught. Yeah, don't, don't get caught. We're not going to tell your mother. And the next time, don't get caught, you know. And that was it. That was the end of it. But that was – but for me, that, that was enough to, to, to not do something stupid like that. But the next time I did something, I planned it out properly. <laughs> I, I made sure. You know, but still, I made stupid mistakes. Like I would put a ten in with an eleven, and I got caught. You know, so but the, you know. <laughs> so the pa- pastor Dozier, so he kind of held, held you accountable yeah, through that. He he held me accountable, where my dad really didn't hold me accountable. He just he just uh, wanted to make it right. You know what I mean? Like by just saying, you know, he didn't hold me accountable, but Pastor Dozier did, and and he said, "I'm going to stand by you as your pastor," and you know, through this, and that's when I knew I can do it. Because at that time, even if I always wanted, I knew it wasn't working out. And I always, and I kind of started having fantasies about changing back, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. And I didn't know it was possible. I really didn't think it was possible. I mean, sometimes I used to pull my hair back, you know, just to, you know, put it in a man bun, you know, like that, and a hat on just to, and, 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 uh, I wouldn't have any makeup on. I would look at myself and I'm thinking, ah. I don't know if this is possible, you know, and so I thought I was kind of like stuck this way and I'm I'm not going to be able to change back. But when he said I would stand by you and keep you accountable, pretty much that's what he was saying. I'm going to stand by you as your pastor as as you go through this. Then I knew I can do it. Then I knew I got somebody backing me. And when I had when you have somebody backing you, you know, who's got your back and um, and anything's possible, you know. And, 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 and Christ is, has our back, but that's what, that's what the body of Christ is for. You know, we're backing each other up, you know, we're supporting each other, you know, we're holding each other up. We're, we're taking each other's burdens. You know, I'm going to help you with this burden of getting rid of this. That's what I love the most about our church and and our Bible studies and stuff. And, and it was, it was amazing. And when I knew that the next day, because he goes, says, go home and pray about it. So I go home, and the next day I'm sitting in front of the Dillons and the little Dillons in Great Bend, and I had this overwhelming feeling from the Holy Spirit, and I got out, and I'm like, I can do it, I can do it, and I got super excited, and then I wanted to do it right then and there, <laughs> you know. And then everybody's like, No, 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 no. Just take it easy, <laughs> little by yet. little, you know. I started picking out clothes. I'm like, All right, this is, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go 100 percent, like I always did. I, you know, once it goes, w- once I, once, once I'm told something, that's it. I'm gonna run for it. A hundred percent. And, uh, and it did. Like, it was really remarkable. You know, from the way I looked to the way I look now is completely, but at least now I don't have to worry about jumping in the pool, you know, getting my hair wet or anything like that. You don't have to worry about anything, you know, <laughs> like, cause you're just normal. Like, you know, you sweat, wipe the sweat off your face. You don't have to worry about your mascara or your makeup or anything like that. <laughs> it yeah. feels funny talking about that. You know, I was on a trip with, uh, with, uh, Teresa Dutton. Who passed away? She was brutally murdered in Great Bend, and uh, anyway, but um, she was uh, uh, she died in the line of duty. I always say that, you know, she died in the line. I would of, agree with uh, that. Uh, working for Christ, but uh, we were on a we we took a trip, and and this is after she was one of the people that knew, and uh, this is after I had come out to everybody about nine months after the fact that I came out to Kimberly and and and, and the Dream Center, 
nine months later, she found out, and but we still went on this trip that we had already planned. And so uh, we were driving out, and I would always kid around with her in the car because I was always sounding like Michelle still, you know. I studied voice, you know, my, my voice was good, you know, because for your acting, for, for my acting. Yeah, okay. And then, and I also, uh, uh, I, I practiced speaking in a falsetto and being able to hold a falsetto without straining my vocal cords. And I would practice talking as a woman on the phone. And, and I, I got very successful at doing that. And it was hard to transition. Like I couldn't go back to doing that now. Like it, it, it would be straining, you know, but but I transitioned to be able to speak in falsetto as if it was a normal a normal thing, you know, you would think. And and I was still talking like that at that time. And uh and on the trip every once in a while uh Teresa would 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 look at me and I'd go, Yeah, right. Just do that over there. You know <laughs> And she would look and go, Stop that Because, <laughs> you know, I was Michelle, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden this this fifty year old woman is looking at you <laughs> like talking in this deep man's voice and you know, freak her out all the time. But and but you like you said she knew. Oh yeah, point. yeah, yeah. She she <clears throat> knew just but uh that was cool. We we uh you know, I I made a lot of good friends all the women friends that I had and then and it's funny, you know, when when you it's it's funny in in the sense that it's uh, it's interesting how 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 things like that work. Like when I was in the Navy, for instance, I was on a submarine, and we had a small crew, like only eighty, seventy six, eighty people. But I knew everybody's name on that crew, and I knew all their kids' names, and I knew you know we go over each other's houses and stuff like that, and you know when we were off crew. And and then we'd be back on crew and, and uh, you know, it was like a family and you knew everybody within a year and a half. I couldn't remember one person's name except Brick. You know, this is one guy that I was kind of friends with, you know, like more so than anybody else. And and so it's the same same thing, you know, like I spent two years with these women, you know, like getting to know them and, and being in, in intimate conversations and, and really getting involved. And then like walking as in in the way that Christ created me uh, as a man a year later i had a hard time remembering people's names it's it's like you've 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 transitioned so much that uh, that it's no longer part and now i'm learning their husbands names these guys that i've heard their names but i didn't i never met them <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and i'm like oh you're so and so's um husband oh yeah he's talking to your wife all the time yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what are you doing talking to my wife you know <laughs> you know but uh but uh, but they were they were my friends you know and then and then i realized you know like there were some women that that were close friends with me that that weren't anymore you know so there was that separation i remember Teresa had, had a difficult you know she said she was she, she felt you know she told me her feelings yeah you know because uh, at least she was willing to do that yeah praise god she was yeah. you know and uh and we were good friends, you know. We were about the same age, close, you know. She's six years older than me, but, you know. Similar, raised, you know, in similar situations. She was an SN kid too, and I would always tell her, you know, uh, you know, you don't have that. That's not your limit, and you know, we 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 had a lot of, uh, uh, yeah, we were good friends. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, and then getting to meet all of their husbands. And it's still the same thing, you know. But I think God, uh, God orchestrates 
everything. You know, he sees he sees our life on like a piece of paper. Our whole life is on that paper. You know, and he sees every single possibility, the hundreds of thousands of choices, and he knows what the outcomes of those choices are going to be before we make those choices. You know what I mean? And and he wants us to make the right choice because the narrow path, right? It, you know, people search for the narrow path, but very few will find it because it's narrow. It's hard to find. You have to work at looking for it. You know, you have to work at looking for the narrow path. But we have all of and he he sees that. And so even in our destruction, even in what we, we've created in our life, he still manipulates that. He still, well, even though you're you're still living in a lie for these nine months, I'm going to to expose you to things that you can, you know, like he exposed me to these intimate conversations where now I have a, an idea of how, how the other half feels. You know, like men always say, oh, I don't, I don't know how a woman feels. Yeah. yeah. I know how she feels. I know exactly what she's thinking right now. You know, and, <laughs> and that's why she's saying those things to you. Right. And then, you know, and, and those things will help, you know, further his kingdom through that ability to be able to, to, to minister to, to everybody to everybody, to men who are struggling with rejection and abandonment and to women who have been hurt and, and, and don't know how to stand up for themselves or they don't know how to, or they're doing it the wrong way or they're thinking they have to be a man in order to stand up for themselves. They don't have to be a man. You know, there's power in, in their femininity and there's power in their... Is that what so, you're writing about in your book? Is that what's the, the, what's the title of your book, do you know? Well, no, I don't know the title okay. uh, yet, but the book is... Um, uh, I didn't want to write an autobiography, so uh, I read a couple of autobiographies of, of people that came out of that lifestyle, mostly gay men that came out of that lifestyle, not so much uh, trans biography. I wrote, I read one from a, a woman that became a man. She lives down in Oklahoma, or uh, yeah, she lives down. In, I was going to say he, no, she. She lives down in Oklahoma, and um, but uh, it was a shorter book, but it was more like a storyline, you know. And and I wanted to do it where I was asking. Uh, it's just answering questions, you know. Uh, what was it like, you know? Uh, um, uh, what was it like when uh, um, uh, God told you to trust other people, you know? And then I would answer that question. So it's just a series of questions. So anybody can just grab the book and say, "Man, I really want to know about, you know, w- what is it like to to uh, 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 to stop lying to yourself." Right. And, and and to come clean and there's a whole chapter on stop lying to yourself and how I stopped lying to myself and 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 and, and, and how I had to work through that and so I, it's going to be I think about 14 chapters and each one each chapter heading will be the question and then I'm not sure whether I want to make it where um, I have the Bible verses or just mingle Bible for Bible verses right into <laughs> the storyline. And that's how I've been kind of writing. Right. Anyway, it's, I, I would say, you know, things like, uh, uh, but uh, God finishes what he starts. And that's, you know, Philippians chapter, chapter three, you know, <laughs> or Philippians chapter one, verse seven, you know, God will do, a, he'll, he'll begin a good work in you and, and, and finish it till, till completion. And so, but I wrote it as in just part of the sentence, you know, just add Bible verses in. So the book can be for anybody who's just interested, you know, 
not so much a Christian book because if I was in the life, if I was still in the right. lifestyle, I wouldn't necessarily go and say, I want, to, I want to read an autobiography about, you know, yeah. no, you want to stay in that lifestyle, you know, so, so you want to make it appealing to people that are, that are struggling, that are, that are looking to come out of that lifestyle or don't know that they're looking to come out of that lifestyle because I, I went in there searching for something and I don't care what anybody says, you know, if, 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 if she tells me, I've had these feelings all my life since I was a kid and I've had these feelings you know I've always thought I was a woman trapped in a man's body and yeah that might be so you know but but the reason why you feel that way is because this is a fallen world you know it's just like anything else it's just like any other temptation in your life people are born with gay tendencies people are born with tendencies to say well I don't really feel comfortable uh, in the role of being a boy, I, I want to be a girl. Some 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 are born with uh, with the predisposition to drink alcohol or or to, or to do drugs, and you know we're all born a certain way. You know we all have these facets because of a broken world, but we treat them the same way. It's like God didn't create you in 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 that way. We live in a fallen world. You know it's just like somebody being born with cere- cerebral palsy, but then they make something out of their life. But Christ uses that to make something out of their life. You know, Christ uses the bad things and the the evil things in the world to to shine to shine to shine His light on this evil and corrupt world. And one day He will send His Son back and and to to conquer. You know, like the the earth is groaning for it, right? And in, in in Romans in Romans eight. So, you know, you weren't born gay. You were just born with these tendencies just like other people are born with other tendencies and you treat them just like anything else that's the bible says god's word says well this is wrong you know there's a wrong and a right the sexual immorality this is you know these these feelings it's good to feel sexually aroused but only with your wife you know and so uh, if it's with somebody else then it's wrong and then you have to look for ways to to deal with that you treat it just like anything else, just like any other temptation, just like a temptation to drink or just like a temptation to do drugs. I have a temptation to go to the woods and have sex with other men. You know, you treat it just like any other temptation. That's a temptation. It's from the enemy. And, and you know, you are not gay. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you're you not born that way. Um, well, you're, you're born with, with temptations and we all have specific ones, you know, and some some have them and some don't, you know. I always hear stories about guys that, uh, you know, they, uh, uh, especially with uh, drug use, you know, oh, I had sex with a lot of a lot of different people. I'm like, yeah, well, that makes sense, you know, because you don't care. You just want drugs, you know. So any means you can get it, you, you're going to do it, you know. That doesn't mean you're gay. That, 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 that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to live this lifestyle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're kind of coming up on time. So I just wanted to yeah. s- kind of wanted to wrap it up with, you know, how, how do people like maybe follow your journey, follow what you're doing? And then like, you know, uh, when, whenever your book does get published that they could see that and maybe share that or read that. Like, uh, do you have social media? Do you, I know you have a YouTube page. You want to share that as well? And- yeah. I, I have a YouTube page. I don't, I don't post as much as I did like last year. I was posting like little, little, um, little teachings, you know, every week that kind of spoke to me. <clears throat> But I have a, uh, I have a webpage called MikeCressyMinistryForLife.com. And it is, and that's exactly what it is. Mike Cressy 
ministryforlife.com <laughs> yeah. and uh, www. And so, um, and there it has, you know, the, the video that, uh, that Spark Hatch had done that, uh, that they, uh, I don't think they, they ended up not using it for that documentary or something like that, but I ended up getting it, the rights back to it. So I was able to, to use it on, on my own website. And, um, and then I have some other, some other videos and mostly I have blogs and uh, and I blog, but I don't blog often, maybe once a month, but then I'm open to, uh, uh, it's called Mike, Mike Cressy ministry for life. And, uh, and it's really just counseling and, uh, 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 and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, sharing my, my testimony as, as, as an evangelist at, um, uh, where wherever wherever anybody would in, would invite me to to come and speak and and tell and tell my story i didn't tell the whole story here uh but it's really just um it's uh you know people can contact me through mycressyministryforlife.com yeah. yeah that's and, what i was uh, kind of hoping for you know, yeah. if somebody wanted to you know yeah. they were maybe struggling with that if you they're know, struggling you could reach with, with that. that and i've have spoke to a few people since since starting the 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 webpage and uh, but mostly it's the parents of people. Actually, it was all the parents of people <laughs> yeah. that that I speak to. My son, my daughter, um, and and um, you know, I'm I'm praying to God. I want to speak to the kids. You know, I, that's that's who I want to talk to. I was going to say, do but you have much success in that? Like when the parents contact you, like, I I think I have success. Yeah, uh, in talking with the kids, at least the advice. Uh, uh, you know, they're they're looking for advice on 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 how to uh, on how to approach things, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of times it's just listening. You know, uh, one one of the last times I just sat and listened. I, I just listened, and uh, and then I thought, you know, if we were in a counseling session, I would probably bring up some things, not to condemn, but to say mm, maybe if we if you went in that direction, but um, you know, just. Uh, uh, counseling them, you know, uh, on 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 love and and uh, and just uh, and and not and not condemning, but still saying it's wrong. Like using the word wrong, it's wrong. It really is wrong. There is a wrong and a right way to live, and this is a wrong way to live. Yeah, you know? and just and and to say I love you, but it's wrong. <laughs> it's like I said in our Bible and study last night. You know. You can, if somebody is in, say, like a drug addiction, you know, you can still tell them it's wrong, but that doesn't mean you have to go, here's $20 for you to go get your next thing, but it's still wrong. Like you're enabling. Sometimes love is saying, hey, you have a problem and I still love you. Let me help you work through this, whatever we can do to solve this problem. Right. And I think that's kind of where people miss the mark sometimes in not just in life, but also sometimes in in the church as a whole. So, right. and um, just and just like like I said, you know, keeping it, you know, uh, 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 directing it just like it is with uh, with any other addiction. When when if, if you're talking to to your gay son or, or 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 your daughter who wants to be a man, you know, you just you it's just like you know you're talking to somebody that's uh, that's occasionally using drugs, you know, and you know you sh- you don't need to be hanging out with these people. You don't need to be doing this, you know, and uh, but but still loving them. But it, yeah. it, it's a full time job. It's a full time job. But that's what we sign up. You know, when you, we become parents, you know, you know, we, <laughs> we sign up yeah. for a full time job. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and so, 
His, his yeah. my, mine's actually been texting me this whole time. So <laughs> yeah, you, I saw you. You want to talk about a full time <laughs> yeah, job? Yeah, <laughs> He got a new phone, so he's got questions, and he's just gonna have to wait. But yeah. So, um, do you want? I want to make sure that we get him back in time for sleep for work and stuff. So, you want to? You have anything else you want to follow up with, or any questions, or nope, um, anything we left out? Anything we want to? You want to talk no, about? Or no, just uh, yeah. Thanks for having me, and, and we really uh, appreciate you coming. It's yeah, great, and Thank it's you. really. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a blessing, and it, it's a blessing to be able to share my story, and it's a blessing to be able to hopefully it'll help somebody, like so somebody will listen to this eventually. You know, so, that's what we want for some, it too. Something's going to happen, and I might not see it, but but who cares? You know, I mean, as long as Jesus is preached, you know, as long as the gospel is preached, and 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 uh, and, and the miraculous things that this man who died on a cross two thousand years ago can do for you like he's real living word he's real and he's alive and he's sharper than any double-edged sword and he lives inside of you and you can feel the same way that i feel you can you feel it he's real yep he's he's not some pie in the sky you know he's a real man and 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 uh, and he's there for you and he is the narrow way he is the narrow way well nate nate said it best (laughs) yeah sorry nate said it best when we kind of first started this podcast was, you know, if we can, if this whole podcast journey, if we just help like one person, like it's totally worth it. Yeah, so exactly. that's, that's our, that's our same mindset as yeah. well. If you reach, if I reach one person and never go anywhere else and stay the rest of my life in Sterling, Kansas, it was all worth it. <laughs> that, that, our church, you know? <laughs> if you stay the rest of your life in Sterling, Kansas, our church is going to look like a million bucks for the rest of your life. Praise you're God. Doing, you're yeah. doing a good job. Oh, thank you. Praise God for that. Yeah. So you want to wrap it up, homie? Yep. Um, just want to say thanks for listening, guys, and uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, if you would, uh, wouldn't would mind, we'd like uh, you to share the podcast and check out our uh, Instagram and social medias um, at The Higher Points. Give us a like and a share, and uh, once again, thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks.